Welcome to Musitations, Sound Healing and Sound Wisdom for a World in Need. On Musitations, we explore all things musical, meditative, and creative for healing, transformation, and awakening the relationship between nature, culture, and the soul. I'm Michael Branty Maria, and I'm your host and guide on this journey on the edge of a new millennium. I bring my 30 plus years of experience as an integrative wellness guide, best selling author, meditation, yoga, mindfulness teacher, and a four time Grammy nominated musician. Join me now on this adventure of awakening the soul. Welcome to another episode of Musitations. It's great to have you here. Thanks for tuning in. Well, I have been hoping to get Christopher Anderson Bazzoli on Musitations for, oh, I don't know, since I started the podcast, so a few years. And I am thrilled that he has been able to find time in his schedule and we've been able to make it work. Um, Christopher Anderson Bazzoli is not only a dear, dear friend, but just an extraordinary uh, musician, composer. Uh, there's so many different things. I'm going to tell you a little bit about him, just a little bit, because he has so much going on in, in, in the world of music and film. And uh, he's tuning in from Carmel and lives in LA, and I'm thrilled to have him here. So as a conductor and orchestrator, Christopher Anderson Bazzoli has worked with top recording artists, Michael Bublé, Dr. Dre, Christina Aguilera, and she and him, among many others. Yeah, I know. We kind of have a, a major guy here today. He's also an Emmy-nominated composer whose latest work, Continents End, which is just gorgeous, is available on the Delos Music label. His music can be found on the web at posthornmusic.com. And something that's not in here is he has been working with Disney for many, many years, and his real love and passion is film composing. And it's just a thrill to have you on, Chris. Just thank you for being here. I'm just really looking forward to this. Great to see you, Michael. This is going to be fun. Yes, it is. Well, you know, I was trying to think that we have known each other. It goes back to... Uh, my first music for people, which was January 2005. So okay. that, that means, let's see, that's 17 years. Yeah. We have been in soulversation <laughs> and, you know, we've talked a little bit. I actually started this podcast, Chris, with uh, the, the bill of musical rights. And, you know, I, I basically talked a lot about David Darling and I have, he's come up quite a few times and I've had Jonathan Best on for Music for People. But I wanted to start there because what was interesting to me was you and I were the two traveling the farthest, you know, to go to New England four times a year, few weeks in the summer, me from Florida and you from California. We both had pretty successful careers in, in other worlds, and yet we were drawn to music for people and to train to become music improvisation facilitators for musicians and non-musicians. So I would just, you know, I don't know if I actually, actually ever asked you, but what drew you to music for people and how did it change you? It started with the relationship with David Darling's music. Um, you know, I had come through and gotten a master's degree in composition with all the, the training and, and all the theory and all the stuff and all the practicing of the etudes. And uh, at some point in the early 90s, I heard an album called Dark Wood, which I was in my early 20s at the time, and it just really... Uh, struck a chord with me literally and and i really felt like this artist is doing something really simple and really profound and i want that in my music mm. <laughs> that's literally that was literally like i you know if um if i can discover that uh in my own music i think i'll really you know get somewhere here and really find something deep and soulful so I 
eventually saw that David was coming out to Esalen on the West Coast. And uh, it happened to be in Big Sur. And my hometown is, is Monterey Peninsula. And so it was just a few, you know, a few miles down the road from there. Of course, I was in L.A. by this point. But I came back, took David's seminar. I brought my tuba, which I was a tuba player growing up. We'll probably get to that. <laughs> but... And he, when he was, saw me walk into his class at Esalen with a tuba, he just got the biggest smile on his face you've ever seen. He just went, like he does, fantastic, you know. I love it. And uh, so there I was on the Big Sur Coast, you know, studying <laughs> with David and, and uh, having a great time, learning all of the things that we learned regarding, you know, um, just being open to all our music and being not really thinking about the ter in terms of theory or any of the stuff that I learned, but just starting returning to child mm. and making sound as best mm. I can, you know, and mm. uh, it was fantastic. So after that, I had heard about music for people. And as usual, you know, the immediate thing of like, I could never fly out to the East Coast four times a year <laughs> and right. do, do that. It just, it seemed like, no, that's not something I could do. But eventually uh, it did become something I felt like I really had to do. And um, my wife at the time, you know, my wife, Donna, she back in that time uh, was really encouraging me. She says, just stop talking about it and go do it. You know? So that's what I did. I bought that ticket. I signed up and I think the first one was at Omega Institute. If I'm not mistaken, the first one I went to um, and it was everything I hoped, you know, I just to find an environment uh, where I could release all of the stuff that I had learned and start over was something that I felt my my creativity, my music really needed. And it was there. Uh, it coincided with a time where I decided to start over on a new instrument as well. So I brought a classical guitar uh, being, you know, trying to become an American composer, you know, I always <laughs> thought that, you know, the guitar is just the ultimate American folk instrument. Yes. And that I could always just strum simple chords and things, but I wanted to really go deeper on that. So I brought a guitar with me and brought it there and to sit in those circles where there's no plan, there's just creativity, there's just being in the moment and there's just creating sound. And uh, it was a great, great way to start and a great way to return to child, as we always talk about, and uh, a great way to renew, um, you know, a creativity that can get lost when you get deep into study and, and even get into a career. You know, you can, it's easy to lose that really fundamental connection and music for people really fostered that. That was amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. Oh, that's just warms my heart and it, it like I'm having all these memories and flashes to you know listeners choice and right. those amazing experiences um, listeners choice was what we would do on Friday Saturday nights where it was just solos duos trios of of exactly that free form in the moment unfolding creativity which is kind of was a beautiful interweaving of that inner child with, with our adult self trying to weave those together and, and be present and listen to each other and, and allow almost like, I almost have a feeling what I experienced. And thank you for all of that, Chris. I love, I remember hearing about Esalen, but I didn't remember hearing about you bringing your tuba and, <laughs> and David going fantastic oh, I could just see his, just his big it. grin and you know it's just such um, such joy you know and you know I remember he'd always make sure we were smiling you know um, so yeah and and so I would I, I just am curious you know, with musitations, we talk about how, and I like to think of all the muses, all creativity is, it's, it's part of like, to me, exercising the heart, you know, being, being connected to the body and the heart. And, and, you know, I like to say that a, a creative outlet is important as a physical outlet. And I know how it's affected your music and I know how it's affected you in, in personally. 
I'm curious how it may have shifted or changed the kind of music you learned to do at Music for People as part of kind of a, a personal spiritual growth practice. I would say that the most profound change, uh, and I'll kind of treat this literally as, as spirit, is the use of the breath through mm. singing. Mm. I uh, had always done, you know, kind of the traditional thing of singing in choirs, and I had always enjoyed singing songs and strumming the guitar and those sorts of things just as a, as a sort of um, part of my, you know, part of the musical spectrum. But getting in touch with the breath and with singing um, really opened up uh, a level of creativity uh, that I have embraced ever since. It's become really primary. So I sing every day. Mm -hmm. I improvise, you know, singing every day. And I would just point to that composition that you mentioned, if, if people are interested in it, called Continent's End. I'm not the performer on that album. Um, it's a classical piece for mezzo-soprano and piano. But... I composed the piece by improvising all of the vocal lines mm. to the poetry. The poetry is by a central California poet who died in the sixties by the name of Robinson Jeffers, whose work is profound and incredible and has always been inspiring to me. So I don't think, you know, for a long time I had had the idea to do that piece uh, well before I had even gone to music for people. And I, and honestly, I struggled with it with the poetry and trying to connect to it and really trying to find a music that was very much my own. Like I described that I had been inspired to with David earlier, you know, I heard his album. I thought that music really belongs to him and there's mm. so much soul in it. Mm. And, um, and so I through music for people in a lot of ways, I kind of discovered that for myself. And so I took these poems and I memorized them and I literally, without any, forethought I just walked into a quiet room had my little tape recorder pressed record and then just spent a long time improvising uh, just singing these poems as wow. however they came wow and I, it was so much so that I had four or five different versions of the same poem you know wow. with, with wildly different interpretations so I chose um, the version that I thought had the most magic to it I thought, you know, it's, it's an instinctive thing. And then I took my recorded voice and I brought it into the computer. Um, I sort of trans, because I had always had the idea that it was going to be for a female voice. There are a lot of female characters in Jeffers and it's just, that was part of the original concept. So I took the computer and transposed it up into the female range. And then uh, just began to study what I had done, you know, when I was, singing it i certainly did wasn't thinking about i'm moving from this chord to that chord or you know this uh, harmonic area to that harmonic area and i wasn't planning out the composition it was just happening so i started to study um what i had done and then my you know the other side of my brain my composer craft brain kind of took over and thought well what a you know what would be um the implications of it in terms of doing a piano accompaniment. And so I, I plotted out a tempo and I started to basically improvise on the piano over my own voice. Mm. And that's how I came up with the piano part. So the result is something that I could never have planned, especially when I was a graduate student in composition, you know, where you learn to think about the form Right. Um, and developing in a sort of classical way. And all those things are marvelous. But for me, it was really, really inspiring to just release all that, mm. do something open and free, and then look at it and see, study it and see what else it could, could bring. Um, and so I, you know, I consider that process a spiritual practice process the improvising of the voices and then listening back and listening for the magic and, and uh, working from there. So <laughs> oh, beautiful. You know, I didn't know that, that backstory. 
I knew the the connection uh, to Robson Jeffrey, who's off Jeffries, who's also just incredibly uh, one of my favorites and and so moving. And I know you connect to him too because of the the land that you know he lived there too. And but you know, and I think I've shared this with you. And I've talked about it on the podcast that you know all my albums are layered improvisations. You know, and it just is so powerful. And I, I love that story. I, I did not know that's how, and again, we haven't been as, as in touch as we were, you know, going through where we were, you know, every weekend we'd have our, our trip to the Indian restaurant and, or the Thai restaurant. And um, uh, those, those were the first conversations. Yeah, exactly. Ex- exactly. And what was it? Green papaya. Do you remember the green papaya? <laughs> um, but I, I also wanted to, and I love that you started with spirit, the word spirit in that. And I always, I've loved, and you get, you know, out there and actually Chris is in Carmel right now and he's, you know, d- doesn't have his usual mic. So, but even without that usual mic, his, your voice, Chris, I, is like, even whenever I hear it, when we're talking on the phone or here, or of course, when we were singing together or we're doing uh, stuff at music for people you, you just that deep voice of yours is just so powerful so so beautiful well i do have an album of my own coming so I'll, do, we'll talk, do, we can talk about that later oh please <laughs> I, I, singing, so there I, go. I i can't wait to to hear it here well, well tell us a snippet of what about it and and because i i wanted to move into this very thing about soul being the regional specific representative of spirit um, but I'll say more about that after I hear. Just give us a snippet of what's happening with this new album. Yeah, it's one of those projects that I I, I, I tinker away on in my you know when when there's nothing else going on. But I had collected a, a bunch of songs uh, over the years that I had written that I never really did anything with. Some of them were written for movies that never panned out or um, different things, and, and it was all part of this guitar project. To be honest, uh, I doing a singer songwriter album was a uh, an excuse for me to uh, force myself to learn the guitar and play it, you know, um, on a recording and sing. And so it, it's always been one of those bucket list items. I don't think that's a, a direction I'm going, you know, in general, but I'm very excited that at some point here in the next year, I think I'll be able to finish some songs. And it's half the songs are with a band. So I'll have a guitar, bass and drums and they're folk. Those are kind of folk rock songs. And about the other half are more just um, voice and guitar. Beautiful. And so and I'm going to also put some, some orchestral sweetening with it that uh, hopefully will, will turn out nice. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. I, I do remember even just a few uh, because I remember the few times you did, you know, bring the guitar and sang a song or two uh, of your own was just so moving. And so I'm really excited to hear about it. I hear the album. So definitely keep me and us posted. For sure. So this, this idea, the other thing that we became fast friends on was here we had, yes, the love of music. Yes, the love of um, film and return to child. But it blew me away that you were also a huge, not just a fan of Carl Jung, but you were deeply immersed in a, in a Jungian individuation unfolding, uh, listening to your dreams and and we working with your dreams. And I, of course, that's been such a huge part of my life. And so here we would spend half the weekend talking about our dreams to each other. Well, you know, let me tell you this one. What do you think about this? You know, and and so, you know, for me, uh, one way of, of understanding soul from a Jungian understanding or what I like to think of as a soul work perspective, you said you used a phrase with David's music was that he was really, was it he was really in the music or it was his, how did you say it? Well, I just felt that, you know, he... It was, it was, his expression was very individual right. and it was, he was really deeply inside of it. Right. Deeply inside of it. That's what I, that was the, that was the phrase that, that really touched me. Cause I have a, my understanding of that, you know, soul being the regional representative of spirit is, you know, to bring it into a simple metaphor, 
you know, the acorn theory of the soul that yes, this acorn is going to grow into an oak tree wherever you plant it on the planet, but it's going to be individual, unique, and one of a kind and unrepeatable, depending on where you plant it, the soil conditions, the weather conditions, you know, the space conditions. And that when we are, and that's why this sense of, I, I think of it's not only just return to child, but part of what we, we were working with and what drew us to this process was it's return to soul because it's it's the soulfulness in the sense of inhabiting you know our own specific place within our bodies within in our uh, in our history in our particular sensitivities our particular genius i always love michael mead when says you know no one is a genius but we all have a genius inside and it's about getting out of the way for that genius, which is also akin to genie, you know, to, to allow it to bring forth that it's, it's from this larger, deeper, vaster place. And so I'm curious, I, I, any place you, if anything with what I'm saying uh, touches you or, or gives you a, a place to riff on from that, and also how your, you know, work with soul work or dreams or this process has informed your life and your work? Well, I uh, am of the age that, uh, you know, immediately connected when um, Bill Moyers did his, his talk with Joseph Campbell. Yes. Like so many millions of others, I was completely enthralled, you know, uh, with this idea of the, of, mythology and the sort of soul source of civilization, you know, mm. and digging into all that. So, you know, that was my uh, connection to, uh, to Carl Jung um, and to starting to be interested in some of his ideas. And yes, I did uh, at some point start to do some dream analysis and it re really just came about somewhat spontaneously in the sense that the, the time was right and I met the right person to talk to about it. And then it was also, I look back at this now, I think I was about 35 when I started to do some dream analysis. And looking back on it now, I realized that th that is such a major transition point in one's life. Mm. That now is not a mystery why I sort of sought it out at that moment, you know, right. the kind of there was a, a form of a calling in a way to, to do that work. And I did it for about five years, I think. And I have never dreamt more in my life. Mm. <laughs> you know, there, yes. you know, there are periods where you, where you go through, where you wake up and you, you have these incredible dreams all the time. Maybe you have them constantly, but <laughs> at least for me, you know, there are moments where, or there are times in life where I'm dreaming a lot and then times in life where I wake up and I, you know, I don't always remember. But that time, I remember there was a lot going on, and uh, it was really, really fascinating. And it's always been a um, an inspiration, and another form of, as you say, returning to child, going into yourself, and just being um, with your own creativity, which, as you say, is a very healing thing. And I, I for, uh, what I wanted to also add from what you were saying is that you know to go into your soul that way you really it does really help to have a community especially with music because i think a lot of people have fear of music you know if, or i could you know this i could never do that kind of that those voices come up immediately you know like that's for specialists that's for this and the whole point about music for people is that uh that is absolutely not true yes and we know that when we're children but yes. as we grow up it that becomes more and more of a challenge because it, there's this sort of fear of being exposed in a way. And so that was also what really um, drew me to music for people was this sense of community there where you could walk into a room and, and that was, that was the whole point is to be exposed to your soul, you know, and to, to share that with others and, and to return to child and have a fantastic time. Yeah. You know, uh, it's as simple as that you know, with, yeah. with your own music and to be able to discover it. Um, 
yeah, I think, did I answer you? <laughs> yeah, no, it was beautiful. It was wonderful. And it, it reminds me so much that I remember sitting there, you know, in listener's choice when people would get up and, and in particular, sometimes it was the non-musicians. And because what we're getting to is the vulnerability, you know, music, particularly with the voice is so vulnerable. And I think it exposes the trauma every one of us have gone through in our culture. And it's, you know, our culture has evolved around, you know, our language system, our subject object metaphysics, not to get too deep and philosophical here, but to see ourselves as objects in space, or, or we're still kind of suffering under the weight of Newtonian worldview that sees the world as a clock, you know, as a machine. And that we were, our education system, our language system is basically still rooted in that. It's changing very, very, very slowly, but it is changing. And that somehow, you know, there are, uh, and also the industrial revolution, you know, education system is really created to, you know, traditionally to create cogs in an industrial machine. And, and it's very, and so most of us, you know, that putting away childish things and we confuse in our culture, childish with childlike. And in indigenous cultures that I've studied, particularly the way they work with music, they don't even have the word musician or artist. Everyone is considered creative and everyone participates in, in the music and the creativity of, of the tribe. And there's a way in which I think each one of us, you know, we all have these traumas. I mean, I, I think I've shared, I've shared on this podcast and I know we may have talked about my, I love to sing so much. And I was in fifth grade, I was going through puberty early and my voice was changing. We were singing Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat. And I so, and I, I had put my choir director on a pedestal, you know, I just loved him and my voice was cracking. And he, he, each one of us sing the part alone and he pointed at me in front of a hundred kids, you know, Di Maria, don't sing another note all season, lip sync. I was so crushed. And then all the kids are snickering and laughing. Chris, I didn't sing again until a sweat lodge on the Blackfoot reservation with on my vision quest at 31, because I thought I would die if I didn't. It, it got me through the sweat lodge. And I'm still healing that. I'm still healing that. But I wanted to come back to when I would be sitting there in listener's choice and there would be a particularly a non-musician who was doing a solo. It brings me to tears. I mean, it would be so captivating. You could hear a pin drop when somebody would have the courage to make a sound with no preparation, no script, no score, no music in front of them, but from the deepest well of themselves. And I, the, the, the title of, of the podcast with Jonathan Best was Make a Sound. <laughs> and I just wanted, you know, that the magic and the mystery and the almost unspeakable beauty that we all can bring to the world when we make an authentic, individual, one-of-a-kind sound coming from our heart our soul, our body, our vocal cords in this moment. And, and that's where I, you know, one of my, one of my sayings is each of each moment is a note in the song of today. And each of us are a note in the song of peace the world needs today. So, and it makes me think about one quality sound, but I want to give you a chance to respond to what I just said. And then, because to me, one quality sound expresses that so beautifully. What, where my mind goes with that is a moment at a, um, at music for people in Immaculata. I remember, mm. uh, one of the times there in their grand ballroom there that we had our wonderful, um, improvisations and I was in a circle and I just had my guitar and, uh, you know, this, I'm sure you've experienced this when you're getting together to make music with a the group. There's always that voice that says, I really want to impress everyone. You know? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But then, you know, the whole point of music for people is let that go. This is yes. not, that's not what this is. Right. But I do remember being in this wonderful quartet in a circle 
um, and I just had my classical guitar. I did not sing in this one, but I just remember finding one sound, one position, you know, my fingers were in a certain combination and I wasn't thinking about what notes they were or anything, but I just played these four strings over and over again, dong, ding, dong, ding, you know, and all I did was choose where to put that in the grand scheme of this music. Mm. I wasn't starting to think about, oh, what can I, where can I take this next? What would make it cool? What would make it, no, it's just, listen, boom, boom, boom. Someone's singing, boom, 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 boom. And it was one of those moments too, mm. where you drop. And it creates such, um, incredible anticipation mm. you know you know that sense when you're in a, yes. a musical improv and the, the whole world is just vibrating and yes. you just cannot wait to hear what the next sound is yes. and when you hear it it's just a revelation you know it's the yes. simplest thing it's yes. the absolutely simplest thing and it does not you do not need to have a degree in music to accomplish that at all yeah. um and that's the whole point and i think that i I'm, if I hadn't discovered that, I might have given up music a long time ago out of mm. frustration. You know, you never know. I, I mean, I've always been very passionate about it, but it's, you know, you talk about that profundity of, of making a simple sound and what it can do for the world. It's, I think what you're doing for the world by giving that to yourself is really wow. giving that gift to yourself is um, really the point in the end. And I think it's, you know, that the... The thing that we're all searching for is that moment, that moment of excitement, that moment of thrill, that moment of sense of being, you know, at place in the world, like I belong here, this is fine, all's well. And when you're really in deep in a music improvisation, you do feel that, you do feel that. Mm, that's just so beautiful. And yeah, it reminds me of the yogic idea that we are, it, we are a microcosm of the macrocosm. So by giving that to ourselves, by caring for that, to find that sound that's within our own hearts to be expressed, we are also, as we care for our own inner self, soul, universe, we are, it's one of the best ways to take care of the soul of the world, you know, because then we are also at more at peace and more at connection. And and I, I have a, you know, that was all just really powerful and beautiful. And, and I remember so many of those moments of getting out of the way, of the ego getting out of the way so the soul could emerge that, that it feels, it feels to me even beyond music, but it feels like nature. And like I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing in the background, the trees and the wilderness there that, that, you know, we also have a, both have a love of, of nature and the environment and and to me it was almost like it's very similar to hearing the sound of the natural world which is also if you're really deeply listening yeah is just uh, stunning and soul stirring I mean, I'm in Carmel right now, you know, I walked down to the Carmel River State Beach, which is just my favorite place in the world. Mm. Uh, I never have a chance to visit. And it's um, the sound of the crashing waves and the gulls and everything really is just uh, as good as it gets. Mm. It's beautiful. Just so beautiful. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm almost like out of out of words here because we've kind of kind of uh, dropped into this well of, of of silence. You know, it makes me think of the, the, you know, silence is your friend, and we're always playing a duet with silence. You know, so many of these things we were taught in music people that not only returned us to that childlike curiosity, openness, vulnerability, creativity, confidence, but also like you said, you said, if you hadn't found it, you may have abandoned music. And one of the most profound things as a psychologist too, at the time, over those four years that we worked together and that I worked with David, I was so stunned how many traumatized, extraordinarily gifted musicians from classical to rock to jazz would show up and 
have been uh, depleted by their music careers and were given new life by being there because not being at the time, I was not a professional recording artist. You know, I, I mean, I'd released one album, but I, you know, so much of my success came as a result of music for people. When, when David just really bring the music that's inside of you out and helped us have the confidence and tools to do that. But I would be there with these incredibly accomplished musicians doing duets, trios, quartets, feeling incredibly insecure. And then, then I realized so often it was, they were having a harder time getting out of their way to improvise more so than I was. And it was an incredibly powerful teacher, teaching moment for me. Well, where that takes me is actually one of my favorite gigs I've ever done so far in my career, which is that I got a chance to work with Michael Buble on his first Christmas album. And we were doing a song called um, All I Want for Christmas is You. And I arrived at Capitol Records uh, to conduct the orchestra. And to my great surprise, they had opened up the entire studio usually it's divided into two separate stages the a and the b stage but i walked into this huge room with this wall that i would gotten used to being there suddenly gone and on one side of the studio was uh, michael's entire band bass drums guitars the rhythm section and on the other side was the entire orchestra setup and in the middle was my uh, podium conductor podium and michael's vocal booth and it was really a fantastic session. We recorded the song, had a wonderful, uh, wonderful take and made wonderful music. And just going back to this idea of being self-critical and things, you know, Michael was one of those uh, artists who was really kind of hard on himself on the, on the performance that he gave at that particular moment. And of course, everyone else in the room was like, Michael, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> it was amazing. So there's that level of, or that side of things. And then on the other side of things, I got a chance last summer to, to conduct an orchestra for Dr. Dre. He was producing an artist um, named Marsha Ambrosius and uh, had these marvelous string arrangements. And he's a guy who talk about return to child, you know, he's really, really free in the studio. He's very, very relaxed and let's, uh, lets things go where they want to go and is very free flowing and very, very um, comfortable in all of that. And he's one of the nicest guys to work with and a lot of fun to work with. So speaking of, you know, musicians at a, at a very high and sophisticated level, you know, there are still these, these psychological things going on and, and everybody has a different, different style. Um, so that's what made me, <laughs> that's what you're, your conversation earlier made me think of. Thank you, Chris. It's so amazing. I mean, just, you know, to have a, you know, a bird's eye or window into uh, that level of creativity and to, to be able to bring everything that we learned and, and part of our own transformation. Um, I, I can so identify and agree with that. I mean, I, I have so many friends who are such better musicians than me. I mean, I, I tell them, you know, it's like, you know, so much, so much more, uh, so, so much better technical players, so much more uh, uh, trained musicians, composers. And I have a few that just are extraordinary who've never done an album of their own. And, and they'll come to me and say, oh, I just, I'm never satisfied. I'm never happy. You know, uh -huh. I just, I just, it, it's, you know, it's never good enough. And I actually have two things in my recording studio. One is done beats perfect every time. <laughs> done like beats perfect every time. The other one is uh, be present, feel deeply, play slowly. <laughs> so, of course, that's my, and that doesn't mean everything I play slowly, but I, I want to be, as you said, in the music. I, I, I want to be in the music. And, and it reminds me of, we just touched on this a bit, but so much of music for people was deep listening. You know, I was remembering, you know, the listening book and that whole process of really, really listening to each other. And, and I, I can hear, I can see David right now and 
I've talked about this previously, but you know, David uh, transitioned, passed away last year, and it's been really a moving experience. And I almost feel kind of his spirit kind of saying, continue the work, continue the work. But he would say, you know, this is one of my favorite phrases, which I think of so often when I'm playing, when I'm recording, when I'm playing with others, and actually just if I'm outside, listen like mad. You have to listen like mad. And I, you know, I, I it makes me, you know, and he said, you know, he would play certain music, very accomplished. And he would say, you know, I remember him saying, nobody's listening. Nobody's listening on that album. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it was so profound to me. And I, I can notice the difference, you know, or if I go to a performance, are the musicians listening while they're playing or not? I mean, even yeah. if it's an incredible jazz or classical ensemble, I guess in jazz, you have to be more, you have, it's almost, you know, especially if it's, if it's highly improvised jazz. Um, but I, I would love your response to, to that. You know, I feel this most acutely in classical music concerts, you know, being a conductor myself, I always sit down and I'm listening to the music and I'm enjoying the composition, you know, on as deep a level as I can, but also the, you know, I can't help but try to read the, um, the body language and the feeling between the performers and the conductor. And you can really sense uh, an orchestra that's really attuned to their leader and to each other. Um, you can really feel uh, the energy that's created, you know, and, and it's, it's a subtle thing and it takes experience, but I, can, I feel that I can also feel one where the, the, there's a little bit of tension between them, mm, you know, yes. a little bit of they're that they're fighting each other a little bit, you know, sometimes, um, one wants to control the other and, and when they should just follow, you know, in conducting ways, I'm always thinking about, you know, you're the, you're the person on the podium, but there are times when the musicians need you to lead them. And then there are times where you should be led by the musicians and mm. a, good, a good conductor will hopefully know the difference and, and, and assess that out correctly. Um, but, but as far as David goes, you know, the, <laughs> I'm always trying to name uh, the mental caca that comes to my mind. <laughs> yes. Get rid of all that mental caca. <laughs> yes. So, you know, for a lot of us, that's the big challenge, you know, is to is to get rid of all that, that the judgments and the mental caca that's built up over our adult lives, probably starting, you know, in our early teens and, and uh, probably you know, kind of, um, coming to its apex around, you know, 35 or so that's, then I think when we get to a certain stage in life, we start to transition and say, you know what, I'm being too hard on myself. This is silly. Life is short. Time to stop judging, go have, go enjoy the music and, and have a good time and be in it. You know, um, that's how I kind of look at it. And I'm a few years on the other side of that now, and uh, and I'm enjoying for sure all the the uh, the fruits of of what you know we started at Music for People and what what David taught us and everybody else at Music for People and Mary, you know, and everybody. Mm -hmm. it was, and, uh, uh, such a great process. That is just that's beautiful, and I. I know we're coming up on our hour, but I, I have to ask a, a final question. And, you know, a, another love we had besides the, the music and the, the Jungian uh, mythological dream connection and returning to child, but also the love of film. And one of my favorite memories of uh, one of the seminars you did, because as you go through the process of music for people, you, I don't remember all the, the, the words, but it, I think it was improviser, apprentice, mentor, leader, I think. Was that, is that correct? That sounds right. <laughs> Something, right? So, you know, part of this, we move into mentor and leader. We, we started, you know, doing our own workshops and we, it was beautiful because they gave us so much freedom to like create and do something unique. And one of the ones you did was you brought in, a, a, you know, a film a clip and, you you 
you just really showed as a film composer the power of music. You know, they could actually make a scene kind of go from drama to comedy to to a thriller to horror just based upon the music. And I just would love for you to just share a little bit about, you know, your love of film music, film composing, and, you know, you, you've made your living actually with, with Disney and working on so many films that would blow people's minds to hear. And, and although maybe that could be another podcast of talking about those details, but I would love just to hear in general, your, your take on uh, what drew you to film composing, what, what you love about it, where, uh, uh, where it lives within your heart and life right now. So I've scored various films over the years and that process has become pretty much exactly the same. Like my other, any of my other music, you know, I, uh, I react to the film. I try to react to it emotionally. I often will record myself singing along with it. Uh, then there's also the intellectual part where you think about, how the drama unfolds over the course of the entire film. And you think, well, like in Star Wars, you know, this character has a certain theme that's associated with them. And then when they have this, whatever dramatic relationship they have with another character, maybe you find a way to, to meld those two different themes together or develop them in some way. And so uh, my idea for the seminar that you mentioned was to take just a fun little collection of scenes, one animated, one serious drama, one horror, if you remember, it was yes. a Dracula yes. scene that yes. I brought in yeah. and then one kind of comedic and fun and just play around improvising with the different ideas behind it and seeing how, uh, you know, your own musical contributions can affect uh, the can affect the film and can affect the scene and to turn it into something that it wasn't without your music. Mm. You know, that was really the idea. And it, we had a blast. You know, I chose, I think I chose a scene from five easy pieces with Jack Nicholson. Yes. Uh, where he's confronting um, a father who's ailing with, you know, things from his past. And there was the, the Nosferatu, the Dracula scene. And there was a, um, a fun little animation project that was hand-drawn animation, I think from the, the 70s or early 80s. It was fun. Um, and uh, yeah, we had a blast in there. I remember that was at, in upstate New York, right? Yes. And yeah. The, it was uh, Fred Fredonia? Fredonia, right. Yeah. Right, no, right. I, I remember everything about the room where it was. I mean, I have a, such a vivid memory of that because, of course, you know, I have such a passion for film and beginning my own film journey and my my own way right now which has been really you know living uh living part of my unlived life and it's it's been just such a joy and you've so inspired me to to know uh, it's possible to live your dreams follow your heart and it's amazing what can happen and it was such a treat when 2019 i finally went for two and a half months to film school which was a, you know, right. lifelong dream. We got to hang out and connect and it's like, yeah, I'm here living in LA for, for a little while, at least meeting with my buddy. So um, thank you for all of that. It, this has been such a walk through memory lane with uh, music for people. And, you know, you, you truly have been, you were, you know, the thing we didn't mention was I think Clint Goss, which I hope to get on here too, was, I think, I believe he was your mentor and then you became my mentor after uh, he graduated. And so for you to mentor me at Music for People for the last two years of the program or last year or two, I can't remember what it was, but, you know, to send you my home plays and to get this guy right. who's incredibly accomplished, giving me this amazing feedback. And so I, I wanted to say, you know, a personal, deep, profound thank you because you always treated me with such a, uh, love and support and encouragement, just, just like David. And, you know, it really meant a lot to me as I was just beginning to take seriously my music as, as a professional path. And I can't tell you how, and also your particular feedback you were, would give me was so right on, but I really, you know, it, it, you know, I loved you as a friend, but when I really, you really, uh, you were one of my music teachers. I mean, I, I don't know if you, you know, at least mentors, you know, and you still are. 
And I just, I just want to thank you for that, Chris. It, it meant the world to me. And it was part of what gave me confidence in addition to the whole program and David and Clint. So a huge personal thank you to you. Well, I, I'm thrilled to hear that. I, I mean, that whole experience was great on every level. So I'm glad, you know, you got so much out of it. And if I help with that, that's fabulous. And, you know, I think we all we created a community there, which I think was really the whole point. And I think it, it really fostered, um, it was really a, a kind of springboard for, for so many of us to, to achieve, you know, the things that we were dreaming about in terms of our own creativity. Uh, we find, you know, kind of found a, the right place to, to really let it thrive. And, mm. uh, I felt that all around, um, yeah. for every seminar. Yeah, me too. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to to hang out and, and do this podcast finally. It's been such a joy. And I want to just give you a, a moment to share with the listeners, um, you know, again, anything you want to share about how to, to find your work and to connect with you. Well, I would say, you know, the, that latest work is something that I'm the most proud of, which is Continent's End, uh, which you mentioned, and that's available at Delos Music, and it's on all the the platforms. And uh, stay tuned uh, for another release of my own singer-songwriter material, as we discussed earlier. Uh, I'll try to keep everybody apprised of that. I, I, I can't name a, a release date yet for it or anything, but... Uh, it's on its way. And my film scores, you know, you could go to my IMDb, you know, IMDb page uh, and you can see a list of the things that I've worked on. There's a long list of something called music preparation, which is what I described that I was working on for, for Pirates of the Caribbean and a lot of those other Disney films. And then I also have film scoring work uh, under, you know, um, the composer area. And you can find all those films. They're out there you know, streaming and then on DVD and, and all that stuff. So please well, enjoy. Chris, thank you so much. And I highly recommend you check out his music. And I'm going to put links into all this in our, our podcast uh, notes and, and when we post on YouTube. Um, but again, thank you so much for being here. I so look forward to future Silversations and, and making some music again together. I, I've missed that. It's yeah, we're overdue for another jam session. No yes, question about it. Definitely, definitely. Well, thanks again for being here. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. And we will see you next time on Musitations. You've been listening to Musitations, sound healing and sound wisdom for a world in need where we explore all things musical, meditative, and creative for healing, transformation, and awakening the soul. I've been your guide and host, Michael Brandt DiMaria. Feel free to check out my music on Pandora, Amazon Music, Spotify, XM Cirrus Radio, or Soundscapes Cable. You can also check out my website at michaeldimaria.com or online programs at alldaypeace.com, alldaypeace.com. Listen to your heart, follow your soul, and we'll see you on the next episode of Musitations.